Hey there, Mama, and welcome back to the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast, episode 17. I'm Emily McDermott, and I am here beside you on this journey as we work together to declutter your home, head, and heart. Last week, we spoke about how to get your spouse on board with decluttering. Today, we are doing our once-a-month feature of speaking to a mom who has overcome overwhelm by simplifying their lives. Decluttering our homes is important, but what about the negative thoughts cluttering our minds and hearts? How many times have you thought, I'm a bad mom, or I wish I could just get myself together? Today on the podcast, I'm thrilled to have Julia Ubenga from Rich and What Matters. Julie and I connected over blogging, and she has such an amazing story about how she grew up using retail therapy, only to come to the eventual realization that something needed to change to help her out of her postpartum depression and the mountain of credit card debt she had accumulated. Julia shares her story of how she discovered simplifying and minimalism, how it has transformed her life and motherhood, and shares her best tips for moms on how to declutter their negative self-talk. Julia is a freelance journalist whose teachings on minimalism, simplicity, and intentional living have reached thousands of people worldwide through her blog, Rich in What Matters, and her course, Declutter Your Life Now. Julia practices what she preaches in her Kansas City home with her husband and four kiddos. In addition to Julia's blog, which provides weekly inspiration to your inbox, she is also offering an exclusive giveaway to listeners of the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. If you leave a written review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast between 5 a.m. Eastern on December 29th when this airs until Wednesday, January 4th at midnight Eastern Standard Time, you will be entered into a drawing to win all the videos to Julia's new course, Declutter Your Life Now, which is launching in January. It includes all her teaching videos on how to rid your home and heart of clutter now in an in-depth video tour of her minimalist home. It's a $150 value, yours for free. Just take a screenshot of your review and message me with it at Simple by Emmy, either on Instagram or Facebook to be entered in the drawing. Also, it's not too late to join our five-day decluttering challenge starting January 2nd. Just go to tinyurl.com forward slash moms overcoming overwhelm to join the free Facebook group. I hope to see you there. So what do you say? Grab that notebook and pen and let's dive into today's episode. Hey there, mama. Are you tired of all the stuff crowding your home calendar and mind? Do you wish you could say goodbye to the endless to-do list running around in your head? Want to declutter but don't know where to start? You're in the right place. Welcome to Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm, where you will find proven and practical solutions to declutter your home, head, and heart. Hi, I'm Emily, a wife, boy mom, and simplicity seeker. I struggled to get pregnant and felt overwhelmed until I discovered decluttering could create the physical and emotional space I needed to become a mom. Now two kids later, I've transformed my life and motherhood by developing simple systems around decluttering, capsule wardrobes, kid stuff, cleaning and tidying, meal planning, time management, and more, and I can't wait to share them with you. If you're ready to reclaim the time and energy you crave, be present with your kids, and finally enjoy the life and motherhood you so deserve, let's kick overwhelm to the curb, shall we? Grab your lukewarm coffee, your notebook and pen, and clear off some counter space. Let's do this. Well, Julia, thank you so much for coming on the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks, Emily. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So you and I have connected over blogging and also over Instagram, and we've kind of known each other in that way for a while. But this is like the first time we're talking 
face to face, right? In the Zoom. So I just feel um, so excited to share your story and your tips with the listeners because you really have just such a wealth of information to share. And I'm so grateful for you and to have you in my life. And um, we just, I don't know, I think we just have a lot, a lot in common and a lot to share with these moms. So with that in mind, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little about you and your family, how you kind of spend your time and also how you kind of moved into this decluttered, simpler, more minimal life? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Julia. I'm a mom of four and I am a minimalist, but I have not always been a minimalist, far from it, actually. So my story starts in Iowa, where I grew up close to my grandma, and my grandma had a compulsive shopping disorder. So I would go into her home, and I would see her multiple closets filled to the brim with new clothes. 90% of them still had the price tags on them. And as a kid, I thought this was normal. So I'd spend time with my grandma. Naturally, we'd go shopping. And soon I learned that shopping was fun. It was a way to feel good. It was a way not to feel bad. And I carried this mindset into my 20s. I started making money. I started spending money. And pretty soon I had a whole lot of stuff and $40,000 worth of credit card debt, 40,000. And so when I thought about the number, this debt, I felt bad. I was embarrassed by it. But when I felt bad, I went and bought something new because that's what made me feel good and what I thought would make me feel happy. So this cycle really just continued about up until the time our second daughter was born. And so I was working outside the home as a speech therapist at the time, but I'd always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. That was my dream, to stay at home. And my husband got a promotion at the time, so I was able to do it. I was so excited. But I had this really idyllic vision of what stay-at-home mom life would be like. So I'd be baking cookies, snuggled on the couch with my kids, reading Little House on the Prairie. Like in my mind, it was going to be great. Well, a couple weeks into the stay-at-home mom gig, I wouldn't even called myself a stay-at-home mom. I would have said full-time stuff manager would have been a better title because I was, I was constantly tripping over piles of kids' toys or picking things up, cleaning things, looking for things, cleaning things again. My stress levels were through the roof. I was exhausted all the time. I was really just overwhelmed. And so a couple months into living this way, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. And I have this memory of this morning where I was, I was sitting up in the recliner chair, up in the nursery, feeding the baby and really just pleading with God, being like, God, this is not what I signed up for. What is really going on here? Something needs to change. And I was reading the Bible and a couple of verses from Luke chapter 12 just jumped off the page at me. And they said, your life does not consist of possessions. Be rich in what matters. And so I stopped and I asked myself, was I rich in what mattered? Was I rich in quality time with my family? Was I rich in time for prayer or meditation for a hobby that I loved for self-care? And no, the answer was the answer was absolutely not. So that planted the seed in my mind that something in my life around the area of possessions needed to change, but I didn't know what, I didn't know where to go from there. So that same week, I had a therapy appointment. And at the end of the session, just as I was leaving, my therapist said, 
Julia, have you ever heard of minimalism? And I said something along the lines of, oh, you mean houses with white walls and next to nothing in them? And she's like, well, there's more to it than that. Like, look into it. I think you might be interested. And so, no, I was, intri I was intrigued. And so I, I went home and just did a Google search on minimalism and realized there was a lot of resources out there about it. So, you know, I started listening to podcasts, started reading books and blogs, and this idea that I didn't need all this stuff to be happy. And in fact, I would be a whole lot happier with less of it because then I would have more time and energy to focus on who and what mattered. It was a mindset shift that was life-changing. And it finally gave me a vision of how to get out of this postpartum depression tunnel that I felt like I was stuck in. So I decided to go all in on minimalism and I started a blog at the time I called it Rich in What Matters, based on the Bible verse that spoke to me. And yeah, it's just been a really fun journey. We got rid of about 75% of our stuff over the course of the first year. And then we downsized to an apartment with our family for a couple of years. And we've been living as a minimalist family for four years now. And we have four kids, ages eight, five, two, and six months. And, you know, for me as a mom, Living with less has been so life-giving because it's a life with more freedom. I'm not stuck looking for happiness in my next purchase or possession anymore. And it's a life with more, well, less stress and less anxiety because I am just no longer overwhelmed by the amount of stuff in our home. And yeah, we have a lot of kids, right? And um, there might be a lot going on at the at times and there might be a lot of noise. But now in the midst of that noise, there's a sense of calm and it's because we live with less stuff. Sorry. I was first of all, blown away by your story. Second of all, <laughs> couldn't get the mute button off. <laughs> microphone. Oh my gosh, Julia. Well, first of all, I don't think I ever knew your full story for all the time that I have been subscribing to your blog, which, you know, feel free to pause this episode. I give you permission and go subscribe to Julia's blog. It's so amazing. <laughs> Um, but just, you know, so many things that you said spoke to me as far as like, it is so ingrained in our culture to use shopping as this, um, way to feel good, a coping mechanism. Um, and that was what you knew. I mean, that was what you were growing up around seeing in, um, your family and your culture. And that's true for all of us. Um, and it's just kind of strange when, we're in this overwhelmed place. And when you said full-time stuff manager, I was like, yes, because sometimes I still feel like that, you know, like the full-time stuff and inventory manager of the house. And it is so much, um, we're just asked to do so much as moms and it can feel overwhelming in so many different seasons, but you and I have that also in common kind of going through, I had postpartum anxiety after my second. And it was just like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, it's maybe not supposed to be that idyllic, you know, what you had in mind with the stay at home mom life. But on the other hand, it's not supposed to be this feeling of constant anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. That's not how we were created to live regardless of anyone's faith background. You know, it's like, that's not, that's not why we're here. Right. So I just, I really love that. And that's kind of the catalyst that what, that's what kind of brought you towards this, this life of 
you know, understanding what matters most and then actually being able to remove what's getting in the way of that. You know, I've said recently on the podcast more uh, adamantly, I guess, that we're worth so much more than our stuff ever could be like our, yeah. our sanity, our, our mental health, our physical health, our family, like all of that is more important. And we'll say it's more important and we'll say that we value it more, but then again, we'll go out and we'll buy things that we don't need out of stress or wanting to feel better about ourselves or guilt. Like, well, I should buy this for my kid because X, Y, Z. And um, it really is sort of that countercultural notion of, no, I'm making the intentional conscious decisions every day in order to actually live out what I say is most important. And I feel like I'm on that journey. You're on the journey too. It's never ending, right? <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're going to keep going and going and going. Um, that's the thing about decluttering. People think there's like this end point, but we're not mm-hmm. static people and our kids are not static people. They keep growing and changing. We're growing and changing. So it's sort of this never ending journey. So thank you for sharing that. It's been, it's, it's very impactful to me just to hear it. And I know that the listeners will feel so as well. Um, but I want to shift kind of into why one of the reasons I have you here, um, which is to kind of talk about this idea of decluttering self-talk. So thus far on the podcast, I've been talking about mostly decluttering the physical items, which of course is very important, but can you tell us a little bit about why you think as moms, especially we struggle with negative self-talk and why that's so prevalent for us as moms? Absolutely. So like going off what you said, it is, it is a journey. And I think as we get farther into our decluttering journey, we have simplified our external environment and then it's, it's time. Well, we have more time and energy to focus on our internal environment. So what is going on inside of us? And, and it is, um, you know, a struggle for moms, but I think it's been a struggle And when I say it, I mean, self-talk thoughts that are negative, decluttering our self-talk thoughts. I think it's been something that we've dealt with just as human beings for a long time. And I mean, even back in the day when the apostle Paul was writing to the Philippians, he said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, think about such things. So really, I think self-talk thoughts and having to be intentional about them is just part of being human and having a mind, really. I think it is so needed though today for moms more than ever, this culture, this environment that we're living in now. Um, if you just think about advertising, studies show we see up to 5,000 ads a day. And these ads tell us that we are deficient, that we need to buy something to be better, or we need to look a certain way. And then we start thinking that way. We start thinking, I should own this, or I should look this way. And any time, as we'll talk about any time you hear the word should, that's a red flag. That is an automatic negative thought that needs to be decluttered from your life because it's not serving you. And so ads just feed, feed that type of self-talk. Social media also is another thing. Um, It just generates comparative thoughts and they're not true. So if we're not, if we don't have these tools to really watch our self-talk and know how to declutter from our lives, what isn't serving us. Um, we really can fall into 
overwhelm, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think about our generation and then our parents and our grandparents and, you know, as far as like our exposure to ads, even just in our lifetime with social media, it's just, you can't escape it. I mean, it's, there are (laughs) people trying to get in front of your eyeballs and your ears and everything just all the time. And so it's not as easy to kind of create boundaries or to sort of separate that. Because if you're going on Facebook, for example, with the intention of seeing what friends are doing from a very benign kind of place, you're seeing ads. And then also it's very easy because you're knowing uh, most of the time, depending on what people post, kind of the intricacies of their lives, their trips, what the kids dressed up as for Halloween, you know, all of this stuff. And it's hard to kind of separate out with how you feel about, okay, I can just look to see what Julia is doing and just say, oh, look, my friend Julia did such and such versus, oh, I wish that we had gone, you know, on that trip, or maybe I should sign my kid up for that activity because it looks mm-hmm. like that's something that I, like you said, should be doing for my family. And so I guess when a mom is feeling this way, just incredibly overwhelmed by the negative thoughts, and I I know you're going to get into this concept of automatic negative thoughts, but just kind of like this all coming in, like we say, the influx of stuff in our home, we have the influx of thoughts coming to us that a lot of times we don't have control over. So I know you're going to share some tips as far as like, how do we start actually combating these negative thoughts and decluttering them? So can you tell me kind of what your first idea or tip is for doing that? Yeah, for sure. And just, just one thought on this, like it is so important because first, who do you talk to the most, right? It's, it's yourself and it's going to be yourself for the rest of your life, every single day. And you know, studies show that we have up to 50,000 self-talk thoughts a day and 80% of them are negative. Oh, wow. And 90% of them, yeah, 90% of them are repetitive. So if you're having these negative self-talk thoughts one day, you're going to have 90% of them the next day, unless you have some type of tool or intervention to come in and change the way you're thinking. So the first, I think of three steps that I really love in decluttering self-talk that's not serving us. And the first step is awareness. So really, what are you saying to yourself? Do, do we even know? I would say start listening. So not in a judgmental way, just kind of like you're a detective. You're just observing. There's not a right or a wrong way that this should sound. You're just listening to what you are saying to yourself and, you know, even write it out, get it out of your head onto paper, see it objectively. And you could even make a column, right? With truthful statements and negative statements and see where they fall. You know, do you hear things like, you know, maybe you just took your kids to school and you made it on time and that, that was a big deal. Are you, are you telling yourself, wow, good job. I just made it to school drop-off on time. Way to go. Are you thinking about things like if your kids are fighting and maybe you were super calm in that moment and are you telling, are you congratulating yourself? Are you saying, hey, my kids were really pushing my buttons right there. I stayed very calm. Great job. Or, or are your thoughts more like, 
oh, I should put a better meal on the table for my family, or I really should declutter my home, or, you know, I'm failing as a mom. Real, what are we telling ourselves? The first step is, is realizing what we're telling ourselves, because that's going to affect how we feel and how we think and how we react to other people. It's going to really affect how our whole day goes. Yeah. Well, as you were saying that, you know, do I congratulate myself, congratulate myself when things go well? No, <laughs> usually not. Um, and I think that we have such this, you know, this negative thought bias, right? That we, I, I don't know exactly what it's called in psychology, but where you could have 99 things go right. And then one thing goes wrong. And then you focus on the one thing is sort of that negative bias. And I think that it's really tough because it's not in our nature. I don't think to celebrate when things are going well, to tell ourselves, Hey, you know, you did a really great job. Uh, you didn't lose your cool with the kids, like that kind of thing. And so being able to write down when you are having those negative thoughts, and it doesn't have to be that you have like the fancy journal or something, because with, for you, you know, four kids running around and the baby on the hip and the whole thing, you can't really do that. But even if it's like a voice text in, in your notes or something, I think that it is so important. There's two kind of things that I've heard before. Number one, David Allen mm -hmm. from getting things done. He says, uh, don't have the same thought twice unless you like having that thought, which I really love. So yeah. it's like, and that's more for things to do, but it also works, I think for the negative self-talk. Mm -hmm. So just kind of writing it down and then it's out of your head and it's somewhere else besides in your head. And the second is the kind of biblical concept of kind of holding thoughts captive. I really love that idea. So you're able to kind of take the thoughts. So that sort of pluck them out of your head, actually look at them. Like you said, be aware um, analyze them, you know, is this true based upon what I believe about myself? Mm -hmm. Maybe your faith is coming into that conversation too. Like what is God's truth about myself versus what I'm telling myself. And so I think, like you said, the awareness is so helpful because otherwise we're just going to default to the negative thoughts, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why they're automatic, right? They're automatic. They're just coming and we're not even aware of them. So this is bringing the awareness of them you know, to the surface. And so um, once we're aware of them, then we need to start talking back to them, right? Because they're not serving us in our lives. We need to start talking back to them with truth statements. And I love the work of Dr. Daniel Amen. And he has coined the term, well, automatic negative thoughts. ANT is the acronym he uses, A-N-T, automatic negative thoughts. And he says that they need to be caught and then smashed with truth statements. And so he, he lists out nine different examples of these ants, but I'll give three that for me as a mom, I've really had to work through and still do. So one of them is labeling. So anytime you call yourself a name, anytime you label yourself, um, one example might be, say you yell at your kids and then automatically you think I'm a bad mom. So catch that thought. That's not true. Not a bad mom. And then the tool is to counter that thought with a truth statement. So instead, you could say something like, that situation tested my patience. I'm showing up and doing my best. And that feels so much better than I'm a bad mom. And it actually has a chemical reaction in your brain that is going to allow you to relax a bit too. So another example is always thinking. 
anytime we hear ourselves say never or always, that's an automatic negative thought. One example might be say you're cooking dinner and it's like that five o'clock time and the kids are getting hangry and things are getting a little wild and you just uh, need a break. And so you you catch yourself thinking, I never get a break. Okay, catch that thought. Is that true? Do you never get a break? Instead, you could think of something like, okay, my husband will be home in 15 minutes. I will take that break the minute he gets home because I need it. And so that's just, again, shifts shifts the way you're thinking about things. And then the third one that I have used a lot is called guilt beating. And this is where the should comes in. Anytime you hear should, ought to, have to, must, those are automatic negative thoughts and, and they need to be caught. And this is one I think too, if we're thinking about decluttering our home, I think that this one is so powerful to help us declutter our homes because Take the example of if you're decluttering your closet and say that you come across a sweater and it was a gift from your mother-in-law and you don't really love the sweater anymore. Maybe you got it a couple of years ago. It's itchy. It doesn't fit right. It just doesn't feel good to have it in your closet anymore. You know, you want to get rid of it, but your self-talk comes in and says, I should keep this. I should keep this because it was a present from my mother-in-law. She would want me to have it. I should keep it. And so back on the rack, right back on the hanger, it goes, it, it's not going to be decluttered. It's going to stay there until you have some type of intervention to change your mindset, to rid that should from your self-talk. An example, then if you, if you're catching yourself do, doing that, you could counter that statement with something like my mother-in-law loves me. She wants me to hold on to things that just support me. This sweater does no, long, no longer supports me. It's itchy. It doesn't fit. I'm going to let it go and let somebody else use it. So that mindset shift puts the sweater in the donate box instead of back in your closet. And it's truthful. It's rooted in truth, right? Should is so important in so many ways, and it, it can also help you uh, declutter your home. I love all of these. And I have said all of those things <laughs> on a regular basis. Oh my goodness. Yeah. For me, it's more the yelling at the kids and then immediate feelings of just shame, like immediate, you know, and it's so hard because your emotions are kind of ramped up still. And so it's recognizing like, yes, like I'm not at my best right now, but that doesn't mean I have to, like you said, label or have the, I'm all, I always yell at my kids. I never feel like I'm in control. We actually try to prevent, or I shouldn't say prevent, but anytime the boys are saying always or never, we try to stop that also. Um, because then it's kind of making sure that it's more empowering instead of like kind of victim uh, mindset. Yeah, no, that leads right into my third step. So the first one was awareness. The second one was the tools of talking back to your self-talk. And the third one is exactly that. It's teaching others how to declutter their self-talk. So it's listening to the people around you and then teaching them. So just like you said, with your boys, it's empowering them with different language. I do, I've seen, I've had to do this lately with my eight-year-old quite a bit. We homeschool. And so she is doing math. And so often I hear her say, I'm terrible at math. I'm terrible at this. Well, that's labeling. That's not true. She's not terrible at this. She's just learning it, right? So 
So I help her reframe that. I'm like, really, are you terrible at this? She, you know, and so I'm like, how about we try this? It's just that you are still learning this. You're getting better at it every day. And then I can even go show her one of her old math tests, you know, that she got an A on. I'm like, look, somebody who's terrible at math, you know, wouldn't get an A on their math test. So, you know, you can show, show them that too, but really just start listening to the people around you and see how they're, how are they talking? What words are they using? Are they using? And I think you'll be surprised once your awareness is raised, how often you do hear these type of words come out um, in the people around you. That is so great. And it's just sort of a reminder that we're starting with ourselves first, we're working on ourselves, then we're able to take what we're learning and kind of model that uh, for our kids or for our spouses, and then be able to, you know, in a positive way, sort of teach them what we're learning. I feel like that's true for physical decluttering and also for this type of thing, you know, where you're decluttering self-talk. Were there any other kind of tips or tricks or anything else that you want to share with the listeners before we talk about how they can connect with you? Casual, I would just say like the bottom line, if there's any takeaway from this podcast is that you deserve to talk to yourself the way you would talk to a good friend. Like let that sink in. Are you talking to yourself the way you would talk to a good friend? Why not? You deserve it. You deserve that. And once, once you have the tools and start practicing doing that, your life becomes a lot lighter and you also um, have more tools to declutter your home, right? Decluttering your home becomes easier and your life just will feel lighter. Yay. Wonderful. I totally agree with that. And um, just such great tips and insights. I'm so thankful and appreciative for you. And before we kind of um, sign off here, how can listeners connect with you? Where do you like to hang out? And I know, I know that I talked about your blog already, so that's probably one place I would tell everyone to start, but tell them where we can connect with you. Yeah, the blog richinwhatmatters.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. I'm fairly active on Instagram at richinwhatmatters. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Julia, so much. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. I know that all the mamas are going to be blessed by what we talked about today. And yeah, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. It was fun. If you like today's podcast, here's what you can do. Just take 30 seconds to leave me a review. I know you're a busy mama. You're overwhelmed, in fact, but 30 seconds of your day makes such an impact. I'll be blessed by your words. They'll definitely make my day. And who knows, you might be entered for this month's giveaway. An Apple podcast, scroll down to write a review. Thanks so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you.